BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. So, a new study came out, this uh, from uh, Professor Daniel Kim. It was published in Preventative Medicine, a peer-reviewed medical journal. Uh, what they found is that if you look at the 2016 budget that Bernie Sanders proposed versus the direction that the Republicans are going right now with their massive tax cuts for, for billionaires and big corporations, they project that the Trump plan is going to increase inequality and lead to 29,689 more dead people in one year, whereas the Sanders plan would decrease inequality and decrease the number of deaths by 31,302 a year. And in fact, if we even raised taxes on rich people, then we would save 68,000 lives a year. On the line with us, Julio Rivera, the editorial director of Reactionary Times, columnist with Newsmax, right-wing news, and politics. Reactionarytimes.com is the website. You can tweet him at, oh, yeah, it's Julio. And Julio, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me, Tom. So the question, what's more important, more money for the billionaires who seem to be doing just fine, thank you very much, or a longer life for working people in the United States? Listen, um, what it boils down to this Daniel Kim, first of all, he's a public health advocate. Who knows if he's not just in there putting together these studies so the health insurance industry can continue to get their subsidies. The publishers of the journal now. You know, enabling this regulation that's crushing their competition. Listen, you could sit the, there and demonize billionaires. You're, you're asking, you Julio, want. who knows if it's true. The publishers of the journal know. This is a peer-reviewed journal. It, it, they check their sources. They, they fact-check the yeah, information that, that, that gets published. Matter. It doesn't matter if the, if the sources are obviously skewed or have one sort of belief system. Listen, the truth is there's only 400 billionaires in the world. If you tax them all at 75%, which that study was calling for, as a, you know, the tax rate for people making over half a million dollars, not even in the billions, you wouldn't even come close to closing uh, deficits for any significant well, That's why Bernie time. Sanders' proposal doesn't just raise taxes on 400 people. It does it on everybody who... trillion in taxes and still ran a $600 billion deficit. The, the key is going to be to increase competition in health care. It's the crushing regulations that are attached to, you know, the Affordable Health Care, the Affordable Care Act, which the Republicans promised to repeal and couldn't. That's a factor. Um, and even the American Health Care Act was basically a $600 billion-dollar spending bill and subsidies for the health insurance industry. So what is more important, Julio? Tax cuts for wealthy... You say there's only 400 billionaires. Bernie Sanders' plan would raise taxes on anybody making over a half million dollars a year. That includes mm -hmm. a lot of millionaires, multimillionaires, hundred millionaires, the Steve Mnuchin millionaires, uh, you know... Uh, yeah, but there's not that many of those. I mean, if you look at it, and, and those about, are about 40, in the world, not just in America, in the world. There's going to be, there's going to be over $600 billion in tax breaks for foreign investors who are holding U.S. stock in this tax deal. I mean, it, it I know, not only helps out U.S. billionaires, it helps jobs. out foreign billionaires, Julio. Why is it that you and the Republican Party, why is it that you and the Republican Party so consistently side with the very wealthy instead of working people? I don't get it. I no. thought you were an average working guy, Julio. Very wealthy. It's fighting with everybody and creating, encouraging competition. There is no everybody here. Up. You've got a bunch people of predatory billionaires and predatory multimillionaires and predatory monopolistic of corporations who have been ripping America off since 1981 when Ronald Reagan, you know, oh. opened everything to them and started and declared war on working people. 
Well, unfortunately, when you have a free economy, there there is an opportunity for some people to attempt things. But you know, there's nothing free about an economy that's controlled by by hundred major corporations. You've got right now, you've got right now the 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 business roundtable, which is a group of the 100 largest CEOs in the United States running ads on television that appear to show an average-looking guy, even though he's representing the 100 richest CEOs in the United States, uh, you know, an average guy saying, oh, gee, this tax cut is going to be just great for me and for my little company with 200 employees here or whatever it was, you know, in some place in Wisconsin or something. And it, it is total BS, and you know it, and I know it, and most Americans look at this and know it, although they don't realize when they see that little print That's at the bottom of the screen paid for by the business to. roundtable what exactly that is. But, you know, I, I, again, Julio, how is it that that anybody in the Republican Party who is not, you know, being paid as all these politicians are by these billionaires, by these multimillionaires, by these large transnational corporations to lower their taxes? You recall Lindsey Graham saying he'd been informed by the donor class you know that what? if they didn't get their tax yeah. break, they weren't going to make any more big contributions to Republicans. These guys are sold out. And I don't understand why you're defending them. It's not that they're sold out. This is the way it works, Tom. People are leaving, and a lot of people left the United States. There's a, I can give you an example right now. Ireland has been very friendly to uh, importing uh, new businesses into the, because of the tax climate there. What winds up happening is eventually people are going to realize that the cost of doing business and all the hoops you have to run through in America are going to be too much for them to deal with, and they're going to be free agents internationally, and they're going to other Good countries. And they're going to do business in Let those environments where it's more friendly to them to grow their business. They get to keep more of their money. And believe me, all these evil billionaires, we, we better beg and pray that we can be able to keep them in our country because once they leave, we're going to have serious problems in this country because they're the only real job creators here. Let them go. The job business people wow. don't create jobs, Julio. Demand creates jobs. You know, I would suggest that you might want to check out just a you know a basic econ one hundred and one uh, class. The first, the, the main yeah, thing that drives you know what, honestly, an economy I would, I would, is purchasing to, power. To, to, to recommend the same thing to you. Feel free. I, I didn't mean that to insult you, but, but the, make but, any sense whatsoever. You can tax everybody in this country at ninety percent that makes over a half a million dollars. We're still gonna. It's gonna give uh, uh, temporarily, right? In that when we year, did that for a forty-year period from nineteen thirty-two, from nineteen thirty-three until nineteen eighty-six, we're gonna have. From 1933 until 1986, we had a top tax rate that was over 70 percent in the United States. And and what happened? We had the strongest growth in the history of our country in the in the 50s, Listen, the 60s, the 70s. And then Ronald Reagan cut now. those taxes. Um, people and that growth went negative. America Ronald Reagan. Conditions. Ronald Reagan cut those tax rates on very, very wealthy people, and what happened? Wages froze. You also cut them on middle-class people and, and lower-income, you know, taxpayers. No, he, he dropped the top tax rate from 50 percent, from 74 percent down to 28 percent, Julio. And then he mm -hmm. raised taxes on working people 18 times, including doubling the Social Security payments by, made, made by 100 percent of workers, including people making as little as five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year. Reagan doubled their taxes while he cut the taxes on billionaires, and that ruined the American economy. And these guys want to do the same thing, and I don't, I don't get wow. it. You know, I, I why do you want to hurt the job creators, Julio? I don't get it. I'm going to tell you like this. Ultimately, and, and this is the, the basic truth out of all of this, we're going to price people out of doing business in America, and ultimately that will hurt. Lower income Americans, because they're the ones that rely on those job creators. And they're, they're not going to have jobs. We can't give everybody a government job to have this like China where you have, you know, 100 people sitting in a factory putting together, putting dolls on heads. It's not going to work that way here in America. Why not? Why not? Is that yeah. really why, what you why, want? You why want is, control why, of everything, don't you? I hear you I mean, saying that raising taxes on wealthy people is not going to work here in the United States. Power, and yet we did it from 1933 to 1986. Julio, you can filibuster me all you want. I'm not listening. Okay. I listen to your okay, rant. I'm trying to respond to it. You're, okay. you're saying you can't raise taxes on rich people. It won't work. We did it for 40 years, and it was the most prosperous 40 years in the history of our country. What am I missing? What you're missing is we live in a different world, in a globalized economy. There's no such thing. You don't think it was a globalized economy, economy in 1960 anymore? In fact, that was one of the things that Steve Bannon used to talk about when he was advising President Trump. What do we have to do to make the American economy stronger? How do we win here? The only thing that's going to, well, at the end of the day, these billionaires are human beings. 
you know? This is the Tom Hartman program. You can tweet him at Oh yeah, it's Julio, Julio Rivera, editorial director at ReactionaryTimes.com. Thanks, Julio. Uh, thank you all as always. Bye now. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And uh, uh, Reg Pegg in South Carolina and Chris and all the folks who tweeted, please fix the intro music too loud, too long. My apologies. We, uh, we reset. You know, we're in a new studio and we're still working the bugs out. We reset the automation system and it reset the gain levels without our realizing it. And so uh, if you had a hard time hearing the FDR clips or some of them, I guess it would, would have just been the, the last one. Actually, the last one uh, is, is uh, or number eight. This was, this was pretty cool. I'm just going to play this one more time, and then I'll pick up your phone calls. This is Franklin Roosevelt in 1936, uh, October 21st, specifically, 1936. A number of my friends who belong in the very high upper bracket have suggested to me on several occasions of late that if I am re-elected president, they will have to move to some other nation because of high taxes here. As Julio was suggesting, right? Now, I will miss them very much. <laughs> Which is essentially what I was saying. But again. if they do go, they will soon come back. Amen. Even billionaires want to live here. Because a year or two of paying taxes in almost any other country in the world will make them yearn once more for the good old taxes of the USA. And that's true. And that's true not only, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the corporate world, of course, the Republicans are committed to dropping corporate tax rates, but they're also committed to dropping the top tax rates on, on wealthy individuals who own LLC corporations, who own pass-through corporations which would be like Donald Trump has 500 pass-through corporations. So his effective tax rate is going to go from 39% down to 20% under this tax legislation, or maybe 25%. Um, they, they're still working out what the pass-through rate is going to be. Um, un, you know, unfortunately, smaller businesses like mine probably won't qualify. I don't know, maybe some of the bigger right-wing talk shows, because they're getting you know, millions of dollars in donations from right-wing think tanks and things, stuff that just doesn't happen in progressive talk radio. Who knows? Uh, but uh, it's strange times, strange times. John in Vernon Hills, Illinois. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Hey, hey Tom. It was really wonderful to meet with you and shake your hand in the uh, countryside at that banquet hall. Anyway, well, thank you, John. I, I have a question. <clears throat> I think you said that there's nothing we can do about the new tax bill once the Democrats take over. I don't understand why not. We can't repeal or amend. Well, I didn't say there's nothing we can do. The, it, it is a challenge, though, because if the Democrats don't take 60 votes in the Senate, the Republicans will simply use the filibuster to block them, just like they did, you know, during seven, seven years of the Obama administration. Can't so, we go nuclear? Uh, you know, conceivably, you'd, you'd have to have a conversation with Chuck Schumer about that. But, it, you know, it hasn't happened in my lifetime. And uh, although the, the Democrats did do that with, with judge positions, and, and now that's coming back to bite them in the butt, because now, you know, they, they, the Republicans still blocked judges for the last two years of the Trump administration, and now they're cranking them through like there's no tomorrow. I mean, there's, there's well, really serious... Well, with Bill Maher, the, the Democrats seem to be very cowardly. I don't think they're cowardly. It's they're, they're out of power right now, and, and, and they're, they're speaking out, and they're speaking out loudly. And, and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi both... And, John, thank you for the call. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi both just said, you know, okay, Trump just tweeted an hour or so ago, uh, I don't see a, a deal with the Democrats here. And so they said, okay, you don't want to deal with the Democrats? We're the Democrats? See you later. And so the Republicans are going to have to do this thing themselves. My point, and I made this a week or so ago, was that undoing bad legislation is a lot more difficult than stopping bad legislation from passing in the first place. And so, you know, if, if Ron Johnson in Wisconsin is your senator, if Susan Collins in Maine is your senator, if Jeff Flake in Arizona is your senator, if Lisa Murkowski in Alaska is your senator, they're trying to buy her vote by putting drilling in Anwar into a tax bill. 
right? The, the, Mitch McConnell is trying to buy the votes of these Republican senators, and he damn well may do it. And so if you live in one of those states, I would strongly suggest that you, you consider calling the Senate right now and saying enough, call your senator right now, particularly if it's Collins, Murkowski, Flake, uh, or, or uh, Johnson. Give him a shout and let him know what you think. Maine in Chicago. Hey, Maine, what's up? Yeah, how you doing, Tom? Yeah, uh, I'm calling about uh, what, what I hear you saying is like uh, capitalism uh, uh, versus democracy and how capitalism uh, has overrode democracy really bad since uh, uh, the Reagan era, you know, with that yes. trickle down and less is more. But uh, uh, I'm thinking that, uh, and then and then we also in this country have that thing of, of racism and, and and bigotry and stuff like that 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 uh, that is really starting to come to focus since uh, 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 well not well since Obama and and now Trump. Right. Yeah. And I think that we should uh, 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 pick up the agenda. Of the 48, 1948 Democrats, tweak it to the 2020, and and have something to for uh, our candidates to to stand on. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Hell, we could we could adopt the 1948 Republican platform. The Republicans back then campaigned on expanding Social Security and increasing union membership. I mean, that that was their shtick. The 1956 Young Republicans. Uh, you know, flyer that, that is basically iconic. I mean, it's just gone viral all over the place. Same thing, you know, uh, the Republican Party in 19, from 1952 to 1956 under, under Dwight Eisenhower expanded Social Security, added more than a million people to the roles of Social Security, expanded unemployment benefits, you know, extended them for a full year, expanded union rights. Over two more mil a million more Americans in the last four years have become union members because of encouragement from the Republican Eisenhower administration. It's, it's crazy. How, how far we've gone. We've gone full out into libertarian, petrobillionaire, crazy land. That's, that's where we've gone. And, and, and now you've got the Coke's Buying Time magazine with a little codicil in the purchase agreement that says every quarter, I believe it is, that they get to sit down with management of the magazine and, and discuss strategy and things. Right. Maine, thank you for the call. Bart in Blaine, Washington. Hey, Bart, what's up? So happy to talk to you. Well, oh, thank you, Bart. If you could take me off off speakerphone, I can hardly hear you. Professor, um, I wanted to mention. Bart, you were speaking with. Yeah, are you there? Yeah, you got to take me off speakerphone. I can't hear you. Oh, I've got you. Actually, you're on my hands-free device. Can you hear me now? A little better. Yeah, go for it. Okay, there we go. I just turned the thing here. Um, I wanted to comment on the guy that was basically plugging Reaganomics. I don't even know if he realizes he was plugging right. Reaganomics and and why it just don't work. Because, I mean, it might have been a good idea when they first came up with it. I don't know. But I know the outcome of it was disastrous. And the reason is because they did not take into consideration the level of greed at which this top echelon of moneymakers was going to hit us. I mean, they, this trickle-down thing, it don't work. They don't, money don't trickle down. Right. Well, I believe you that know. they knew that at the, at the get-go. I mean, there, there might have been a few people who were well-intentioned. Apparently, David Stockman is one of them because, you know, within a year or two of, of promoting trickle-down economics, he, he was out there apologizing for what he did or with a couple of years of yeah. it. You and, know, and then something else I wanted to mention. I was having a discussion with my boss. He owns a small trucking company and good guy to work for, great company. But we were talking about uh, these autonomous trucks coming out, autonomous cars are coming out, all these things that are replacing people in right. their jobs. And I said, you know, I said, it almost seems like we're going to have to figure out some way to provide a basic income to everyone in this country, because this consumer-based economy can no longer sustain this oligarchy that is going on in America. And he says, well, he said, as soon as I can get autonomous trucks, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I says, you know, I says, well, I, you know, and I understand that. He says, you know, other people are not my problem. I says, oh, no, 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 you, you're, you're completely wrong. And he says, well, why is that? I said, because I'm a hardworking, middle-class, American, taxpaying guy. But if you leave me in total destitute and you got what my family needs, I'm coming to get it. Mm. Whoa. 
Well, I, you know, one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit over the last few days is uh, how will tax cuts and the how will the so-called Tax Cuts and Job Act, this is the Republicans' uh, tax cut bill, how is it going to impact uh, over-the-road truck drivers? And uh, this analysis was done by Per Diem Plus. Uh, somebody on Twitter recommended this to me this morning, and, and it's actually pretty pretty thoughtful. Um, the guy takes, uh, you know, an average, uh, he's got a OTR driver, Wayne, he earned 50,600 bucks last year, uh, filed his tax return, a single claimed itemized deductions of 21,000, which include 14 grand net per diem, 4,000 cell phone, GPS, et cetera, $1,800 in state income taxes. His tax bill will increase $1,052 under the Senate plan and $1,242 under the House plan. Oh, and, yeah. The, the and, way they're trying to fool people into believing this is going to help anyone in the middle class, it's absolutely preposterous. And then the last thing I'd like to say, and it kind of goes back to that caller I was talking about, the way to fix all of this, and it is the only way to fix any of this, is you back up Citizens United all the way to amending the Constitution, taking away corporate personhood, and put an end to private tax do or private campaign donations altogether. Amen, Bart. And and if you want to participate in that, go to movetoamend.org. Bart, thanks so much for the call. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Fighting the tax plan or the, the, the Republican tax scam, let's call it what it is. How do we do it? How do we do it? Everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink, Superbeets. Only Superbeets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Superbeets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Superbeets for free, plus indicator strips to see how Superbeets is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeats.com on the interwebs. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, some interesting events going on out there. The uh, Koch brothers put up the money, apparently over $600 million, to uh, fund the purchase of Time Magazine by... Uh, by Meredith Corporation, an investment group. And uh, there's a funny little clause in there, according to Think Progress, that says that the, uh, the Cokes get to uh, review the, uh, the, operating, the operations of Time Magazine uh, every quarter, I believe it is. Charles Alexander is on the line with us. He is, at the moment, a contributor to The Nation magazine, thenation.com, and of course you can tweet at The Nation. Uh, but most importantly, he was the international editor at Time Magazine. Before that, he was the science editor at Time Magazine, the business editor at Time Magazine, and a reporter and writer for Time Magazine. Charles Alexander, welcome to the program, Charles. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. So tell us, uh, what, what about Time Magazine would be lost if it was purchased or controlled, run, run to the benefit of a couple of petrobillionaires? Well, uh, what I'm most concerned about is the fact that for 30 years, time has been warning about the dangers of climate change. Uh, we had a Planet of the Year cover 30 years ago. We had uh, the Earth as a fried egg and a skillet on the cover uh, much more recently. Uh, so we've been trying to warn people about this, and at the same time, the Koch brothers and other petro kingpins have been financing a uh, campaign of disinformation to convince everybody that global warming is no big deal. So the thought that uh, the Kochs would have some influence over time and suddenly uh, time would say, well, no, wait a minute, never mind, it's, it's, it's not a big deal, all those covers we did, uh, forget it, uh, Climate change is no big deal. That would be the biggest 
tragedy for me personally because I edited all those covers over the years. Mm. Wow. We're talking with Charles, Charles Alexander, former international editor of Time magazine, uh, right now a contributor with The Nation magazine. Charles, if, you know, looking at this from a political point of view, um, I, I can understand where you and I and, and other people who uh, are not right-wing libertarian crazies, I mean, I don't know how else to say it, I, uh, even the middle in America would, would not agree with the positions that, for example, David Koch ran for president on in 1980, you know, eliminate Social right. Security, eliminate public education, uh, you know, basically just, you know, shock, shock the entire country. Um, but the politics... I mean, we can we can sit around and bemoan the politics all day long. This is perfectly legal. And I'm wondering, how do we solve the problem of a political cancer in our system? I mean, you've got, for example, Donald Trump, you know, the Washington Post has been keeping track. He, he lies on average five and a half times a day in public to all of us. Uh, you know, it's going to be 2,000 lies by the end of his first year. Major lies. Right. We're not talking, you know, small things like, you know, uh, you know, uh, that was a nice dress or something. I mean, we're talking major lies, right? And 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 you and he was backed by the billionaire Mercer family. And now you've got this lie that climate change is is unconsequential. That is being backed by the Kochs and and by Exxon Mobil has been over the years. Their funding of groups like uh, you know Heartland Institute and whatnot to promote global warming denialism. How do we, as a society, how does America as a country, particularly keeping in mind the, the very strict, strict injunctions of the First Amendment, uh, how, how do we police our media in a way that requires a certain level of honesty? I mean, the, the Fairness Doctrine back in the day required radio and television stations to program in the public interest, and that was determined by the public. They could complain, and every station had to keep a public file. Um, and that public file was reviewed every two years when their license renewal was up. Um, now that's been expanded to five years. The license renewal doesn't, isn't contingent so much on the public file. Uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Reagan blew up the Fairness Doctrine. And, and that, I think, had, had bled over into print media saying, you know, hey, there, here are the standards, the journalistic standards. Um, because you could argue that back at the, at the turn of the 19, uh, 19 to the 20th centuries, you know, in the 1890s, you had William Randolph Hearst saying to Frederick Remington, just get me the picture, you know, or the illustration of the USS Maine or the, you know, the war in Cuba, and I'll give you the war. And that led to the Spanish-American War. Um, how do we do this? How do we, how do we make sure that our media is actually telling us the truth? Or is that even not, you know, a, a value that we should be enforcing at law? Well, it has to be, uh, Tom. And, you know, I have no simple answer for you. I mean, the biggest, biggest problem is that now with the edition of the internet everyone has their own media i mean we're talking and progressive people are listening to us but the people that need to be listening to us are listening to something else altogether so we all have our own media we're all talking to ourselves and so it's it's not a simple problem i hope that trump is what he's doing is so outrageous and what Fox News puts on the air is so outrageous that it will eventually just totally discredit itself. I mean, we, we have a president who's been colluding with the Russians. You know, conservatives used to think <laughs> that communism and Russians were bad. Uh, and, and now we have a conservative president who's colluded with them. So maybe that will be so outrageous that it's going to discredit uh, all this bit. Well, I think this raises a good and important question, Charles. We're talking with Charles Alexander, the former uh, editor of Time Magazine, um, uh, right now writes for thenation.com. And, and, you know, my dad was uh, considered himself a conservative. He, he you know, he, he uh, uh, joined uh, the army at the tail end of World War II, was part of the occupation of Japan after the war. Um, and, and he was a, a Dwight Eisenhower Republican, and he called himself a conservative. And he could tell you what the, what the, what conservative values were. I don't see any of those values being played out in modern-day conservatives. My, my dad has passed away, you know, uh, within the last decade. Um, but uh, I, I have to think that, you know, the Republicans, he, he would have been in his 80s now, that Republicans of that age, Republicans who have actually, you know, who actually remember Dwight Eisenhower, even Richard Nixon, for that matter, um, you know, the, the, the reasonable things Nixon did, have to be just shocked at the way that the word conservative has been turned into a 
a, a handle to describe basically rolling over and playing dead for, or even actively campaigning for, the interests of transnational corporations and billionaires. I know. What's it conservative about like that? The only conservative value left, left is more money for rich people. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That seems to be the only thing. I mean, this tax bill that Congress is considering now is a total travesty. Yeah. It raises... Uh, it's going to eventually raise taxes on the uh, middle and working classes and uh, and give a a huge tax benefit to all the wealthy. I mean, over one billion to the Trump family alone when right. uh, when Donald Trump uh, passes on, his uh, uh, kids will get a huge break. So uh, this seems to be all that's left of conservatism, but I know that there are some, sincere conservatives like your father was who were just stunned by all this. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. I hope it becomes so outrageous, outrageous that the pendulum will swing the other way. I hope that this is the uh, last gasp of white supremacy. Uh, and patriarchy. But, uh, yep. you know, it's, it's, when, it's scary when you have the big corporate money behind it, when uh, corporate interests take over a company like Time Inc. that was founded with journalistic integrity. Yeah, uh, but yeah this is a problem. Charles, we're, we're, we're out of time, but thanks so much for being with us today. I, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, Tom. Thank you, Charles. Nice it's been, talking to you. been great talking with you, too. Hang on just a second. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Charles Alexander, he's a contributor to The Nation magazine now, formerly uh, the editor of Time magazine, thenation.com. We'll be right back. And welcome back, Greg, in Spokane, Washington. Hey, Greg, what's on your mind? You know, when you're, you're talking to people about getting the, the how, how the the right uses uh, messaging uh, to confuse people, and uh, I think it's kind of important to re realize that the topic never seems to come up about the use of uh, religion and uh, utilizing algorithms to kind of Edward Bernays, the pop population, you know, yep. uh, can confuse people, the people that are willing not to look at deeper issues. They, it's, it's easy to uh, confuse them because they're single-issue voters, so they, they're easy, easy to spot. But, boy, if anybody brings up religion, it's like pointing out, out uh, clinging to their, their Bibles and their guns. It's like right. you're dead. Yeah. yeah, that didn't work out all that well for President Obama. Although he did get right. elected, at, at <laughs> some point we need to 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 pick that up if we're ever going to actually talk to people. I mean, when I talk to my my right wing friends, they're great people. They're just excellent people, but they they they're blinded by religion. Yeah, it's a real testimonial and a thing. And then the other thing I just was hoping you could talk to uh, a lot more is about uh, ranked choice voting yeah. uh, because it seems like maybe with all these different messages out there uh, that uh, and, and def different messengers um, that our, our old system of, of voting for the lesser of two evils is, is being used against everybody. I, I mean, I know there's problems with ranked choice voting, but it seems like it's something that needs to be explored. I started speaking yeah. to friends of mine in Spokane about this uh, about nine years ago, and they said, oh, it'll take forever to get that that pass. And, well, how long? It will oh, because... eight years. Well, I'm thinking, <laughs> let's get something started here and, and a conversation. And I don't, you know, uh, I just was hoping you would talk to that. Yeah. The, the problem with ranked choice voting, Russell, and I uh, excuse me, Greg, and I completely agree with you. I, I, I'm a big fan of ranked choice voting, uh, sometimes called instant runoff voting, IRV. Um, they call it ranked choice in Australia and New Zealand where they use it, and they use it very successfully, and it allows them to have multiple political parties at the same time that they have first-past-the-post winner-take-all elections, which is what we have. We're, we're stuck with that because our, you know, we don't have a parliamentary system. We don't have proportional representation, and neither does Australia or New Zealand, and it works for them. But the problem is that both the Republican and the Democratic parties are strongly opposed to ranked choice voting. So getting it through any kind of a legislative process when both political parties oppose it 
is going to be a real challenge. This is the sort of thing that might happen if you had a massive Great Depression type crash and Americans were in the mood to completely reboot the system. And we need to keep talking about this because that day will come. And, and, and a, a, uh, a reformer, a, you know, whether it's a Bernie Sanders type character or even Bernie himself or somebody just very much like that, a reformer will come along and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go, learn the lessons from the past and we're going to go forward. And, and ranked choice voting, uh, to the extent that that's learning a lesson from the past, it's learning a lesson from looking at every other country on earth. And it's something that will help enhance democracy. You're spot on right, Greg. Greg, I got to run. Thank you for the call. We'll be right back. And John in Chicago. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Conservative meaning like conservative with money, conservative with resources, conservative with protecting the environment. I think it's specifically conservative with oil. Who knows what kind of polymer science will require virgin oil 200 years from now. And I'm like, why don't we just save that last 5% of oil in the ground for future needs? Isn't yeah. that conservative? It's, it's, it's more like 50%. Right? It's more like 50%, and we do have to start say, keeping it in the ground. If we pumped out all the oil that's in the ground right now and all the coal and all the natural gas, it would, it would produce a 6 to 8 degree increase in temperature. We would be in the middle of the Permian mass extinction. Everything, well, everything big, bigger than a dog would be dead. It for fuel, I'm saying like we save it for like whatever plastic polymers we need sure. for micro, yeah. whatever, medicine, whatever. 100 years from now, who knows what we'll need? We're, we're going to burn all of it in a crazy internal combustion engine, yep. right? Yeah, that's which is I think we should save everything for yeah, the future. There you go. And that's and that is a true conservative position. Is let's conserve. You know, let's let's you know yeah, step by step. Our grandchildren, right? And but, after dad, you get into everything. Like yeah, but, uh, but John, there, there are whatever. There are no, you know, conservatives of my dad's ilk. You know, the the the, the Republicans now have become total shills to the billionaire class and the transnational corporations. And it's the only way to get elected as a Republican. It's the only way to get anything done as a Republican. I mean, look at this fight with M Mick Mulvaney trying to take over the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, why right. would he do that? Because the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has recovered more than $13 billion that big banks have stolen from people like you and me over the years, John, and has returned that to the people who they stole it from. Mick Mulvaney went in yesterday and ordered that all payments to people of money that have been stolen from them by big banks be frozen, be stopped and that there be an absolute hiring freeze at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. So, I mean, this is, this is the Trump administration trying to make life easier. You know, they're trying to, to, uh, to comfort the comfortable and afflict the afflicted. And it's just, it's, it's bizarre. John, I gotta, I gotta move along, but thank you for the call. Mark in San Diego. Hey, Mark, what's up? Hey, Tom, uh, I called because I was listening to your conversation at the beginning of the show with, uh, I guess his name is Julio. Yeah, Jose. Julio Rivera, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. He exhibits a common trait among all these uh, right-wing ideologues who, when they get in a conversation, whether it be on the air or, or personal, they love to talk over you. Right. They, they, I've seen it on, on CNN, MSNBC, Fox. When they get it, they won't let the other person get a word in edgewise, and that's exactly what he tried to do to you. He just, he just kept on talking over you. It's just astonishing, really, that they have that same common trait, no matter who it is. It's, but, it's but called really even, even more astonishing. Mark, if I may, before you, before you continue with that thought, just to just to put a bow on this, um, the problem, and I've I've noticed this, and I've you know when 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 I used to do the TV show on RT, I you know I have conservatives in the studio sitting right next to me, and you know off the air, I would I would talk with them, and and invariably when it was a conservative who thought that they could filibuster, that the way to win an argument was to filibuster me, to just talk over me and talk over me and talk over me. Uh, when we get off the air, I would always say, uh, you must watch a lot of Fox News, and they would always say yes. And what they do, as far as I can tell, and, and I might be wrong on this, but I don't believe so, what they do over at Fox News is when two people start talking over each other, the, cons the, the, the liberal gets potted down, his volume goes down, and the conservative keeps talking. And so the viewers are hearing the conservative message whenever that filibustering happens, no matter what, because they control the volume. They don't control the volume like that at RT. They don't do it at CNN. They don't do it at MSNBC. They don't do it at Agence France Press or BBC. As far as I can tell, Fox is the only network that does that. And I'm not certain that they do it all the time or even that they do it commonly, but they do it enough that these people who go on Fox or who watch a lot of Fox think that that's the way to win an argument in the media is to filibuster the other guy. And, and I just, you know, in the last couple of months, 
uh, you know, I've, uh, Sean and I had the long conversation about this and said, you know, okay, you know, if somebody is just intentionally filibustering me and I'm going to try and shut it down, pot them down. I'm, you know, uh, what's good for Fox News, I guess, is, is what we'll do. But it's, it's a sad commentary, Mark. Well, you, you, you held your own on that because you talked over him, too. So that was great. I mean, you, you, you gave, gave back as good as you got. But anyway, uh, to, to more to the point, I, I just, it, it's amazing to me. And I don't know who we all, what is, I, I'm betting that he's not one of the top 1%. It's no, amazing how they get these people, and even friends of mine who are in the lower economic uh, scale, to carry water for these big corporations. It, it's just mind boggling. They, they, they just firmly believe, I guess, in this trickle-down, which has been proven to be false in all the laboratories we've used the last 40 years. But can I tell you something real quick, a microcosm, and then I'll get off the air. I'm a full-time Uber driver. I'm semi-retired. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, when I, when I take these rich, uh, pick them up at the airport, rich businessmen or whatever, take them to their man- gated mansions in the hills, and I carry their big suitcases and do whatever I can for them, they never tip me one penny. And I pick up a Latina woman... I take her through her minimum wage job at a fast food restaurant. I don't do anything out of the ordinary for her. She pulls out three bucks and tips me. Yeah. That right there in a microcosm is all you need to know about trickle-down economics. Well, and there's a, a huge body of science showing that the wealthier a person is, the less empathy they have, the less understanding of other people's states that they have. Mark, thank you for the call. Thanks for listening to SiriusXM. We'll be right back. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X-Chair want you to feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X-Chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com. And be sure to use THOM as the promo code for your $100 discount. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome to the third hour of our program. Alex Lawson will be with us in just a moment. I wanted to just... uh, give you a, a real quick step into the Wayback Machine. I played this clip in the first hour. It kind of got buried in everything that we've been doing today and talking about. I want to go back to it real quickly. In 1920, Warren Harding ran for president on the platform of more government, more business in government, less government in business. More government in business, uh, excuse me, more business in government means privatize government functions and less government in business means deregulate. So, Warren Harding ran in 1920 on a platform of deregulate and and, uh, privatize and tax cuts. The top tax rate for very, very wealthy people in 1920 when Warren Harding was running was a leftover from World War I of 91%. Warren Harding dropped it down to 25% in 1921-22 and kicked off the Roaring Twenties, which led directly to the Great Crash of 1929. And the Republicans in the 20s, in the Roaring Twenties, just like the Republicans today, didn't give a rat's ass about the budget deficit. And this is is Franklin Roosevelt on October 21st, 1936, pointing out that the Republican Party always screams about deficits and always screams about debt. But when they get in control, as they did in the 1920s, they don't give a damn about the deficit or the debt because they owe money to their rich donors. Here is Franklin Roosevelt. They had political debt to those who sat at their elbows. To pay those political debts, they reduced the taxes of their friends in the higher bracket and left the national debt to be paid by later generations. Yeah, yeah. So this is not a new uh, movie. On the line with us, Alex Lawson, the executive director of Social Security Works. SocialSecurityWorks.org is the website. You can tweet him at ALaw202 or at SSWorks. 
And uh, Alex also fills in for me a lot, uh, something that I'm very grateful for. You're, a, you're, you're an, a great talk show host and a brilliant executive director for Social Security Works, Alex. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, Tom. So who is Alex Azar and why should I care? So uh, Alex Azar is, well, let me actually go a different way. You just played something from Harding. So right oh, that was That was actually FDR. Time, slight, yeah, it was from about. From FDR, yes, yeah. around uh, you played something from FDR around uh, Harding's push for uh, privatizing government. Now, just a little bit before that, there was a drug developed in 1920 called insulin. Uh, and I want you to hold in mind that's how old this drug is, and it's really germane to the conversation about Alex Azar. Uh, it's older than that clip you just played from FDR. Alex Azar is the person who Donald Trump has nominated to be basically in charge of our health care system in this country. He would be the, the head of HHS. He would replace Tom Price, who all your listeners know is the man who was too corrupt even for Donald Trump's cabinet and had to leave after only 10 months uh, because he was blowing millions of our dollars flying private jets around the country. Right. Um, they really don't hide their Bond villain-esque uh, Yes. They're just really open about it now, I feel. So Alex Azar would be, it's hard in his cabinet of horribles, but he, he might be the worst. Um, he is everything that's wrong with the revolving door in Washington, D.C., between government and private industry. He was at HHS before. Uh, he was a deputy director before that, the general counsel. And in that position, he was actually overseeing the government prosecuting uh, drug corporations for off-label marketing, illegal off-label marketing. But he saw that as an opportunity to go sell himself to that corporation uh, as one of their chief lobbyists so he could negotiate a settlement of $1.4 billion dollars which sounds like a lot of money until you learn that they made $30 billion illegally marketing, uh, off-label marketing this drug. That is who Alex Azar is. Well, and, and, and hang on, just a second, if I may, when you yeah. illegally market a drug, when you, when you promote people using a drug for purposes that it's not designed for and that it's never been tested for, you're putting people's lives at risk. Definitely. There's no question about it. Uh, the... You say that because it's like that is shocking for for most people, for decent people. But for this guy, Alex Azar, it's just he doesn't see things. Oh, he saw thirty billion dollars coming down the road from from lying to people, apparently. Exactly. He's it, it, the reason I started with insulin is because what he's done. So the company is Eli Lilly, and. He rose through the ranks after, you know, that revolving door to become the president of the U.S. Um, the U.S. part of Eli Lilly, which is the largest part of the corporation. And in that role, he raised the price of insulin, which is uh, it's for folks with diabetes, both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Folks with type 1 diabetes, including children, who are born without the ability to produce insulin, they need to take a shot of insulin every single day to live. It is, if they don't have it, they die. And Alex Azar oversaw a company that worked in collusion for all intents and purposes. You can look at their pricings to just increase the price of insulin every single year, year after year after year, uh, 300%. While right. he was in at Eli, and the, and the two competing Which, manufacturers follow those prices the same way that if if uh, American Airlines jacks up a price, United and 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 Delta do the next day. I mean, it was just a, it, they didn't they don't even have to collude anymore. There's so few players in these in these marketplaces that you know it's it's collusion right out and open. And they are they're super open about it. You can look um, at there. There's three companies that produce the insulin. Uh, Eli Lilly's, the one that is the fast-acting insulin product, the chart of their price increases is so, uh, they, they're so on, uh, on point with each other that you can't see the two lines. Right. Every year, it's like a step up. They increase prices the exact same amount, so much so that they're under investigation by five states, Bernie Sanders and, uh, and Representative Cummings, 
sent a letter requesting the federal government investigate them for collusion and price fixing. And there's a class action lawsuit uh, against price fixing. And they were found guilty in Mexico of price fixing. And the reason is because it's pretty obvious they're fixing prices. And this is the guy who Donald Trump wants to put in charge of our health care system. That's I mean, he should be under criminal investigation, not in charge of our health care system. I agree. I agree. This is a remarkable. Alex, in the minute we have left here, what can people do about this? So uh, call your senators, just all of them. Call your senators and demand that until the investigations into Eli Lilly's potential criminal price fixing are finished, he shouldn't even get a hearing. He shouldn't even get a hearing until those investigations are finished. So Alex Azar should not get even a hearing until the criminal investigations into his behavior as, as head of Eli Lilly, particularly with regard to the jacking up the price of insulin, have been finished. Is that, that's it? That's it. And say that to Republican senators, Democratic senators, all senators, say it as often as you can and frequently, right? Exactly. Okay. Is there are, are other websites? I'm assuming Social Security works. Yeah, you can go to socialsecurityworks.org. If you sign the petition there, you'll get all of our updates, including everything about Alex Azar and our work to, to stop the, uh, the tax scam that's moving forward at the same time. They're trying to overwhelm us with terribleness, uh, but we just have to stay on top of everything. Yeah, amen. Alex Lawson, Executive Director of Social Security Works. Socialsecurityworks.org is the website. You can tweet at SSWorks or at ALaw202. Alex, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Keep up doing keep keep doing the great work, Alex. You you are doing such great work. Thank you. We'll be back. Stick around. And welcome back. Paul in Tempe, Arizona, watching Free Speech TV. Paul says you disagree with me. What's up? Hey, I just uh, want to know why you Democrats can't work with the president. Try to get something done. You're so bitter that you lost that election. You just can't get over it, can you? Why would I want to work with somebody who wants to hurt me to benefit himself, Paul? He's not hurting you. Yeah, you Trump, Trump and the Republican the tax plan is going to raise my taxes. It's going to raise your taxes. No, you're it's not going to raise your taxes. It's going to cut Medicare. Any, it's going to cut Medicaid. Bill? It's going to hurt our society. Why no, should I support it's not going to hurt that? our society. Paul, where are you getting your information from? Where are you getting your information from? The Congressional Budget Office. Yeah, it's not going to hurt you. So if there's a, so, a trillion dollar so cut in Medicaid, listen to me for a second. If there's a trillion dollar cut in Medicaid and, and you and I can no longer afford to put our, our, our elderly parents in nursing homes, if there's a half a trillion dollar cut to Medicare, and these are the things that the CBO says will happen as a result of this Republican tax bill. And, and so, you know, Medicare benefits start getting slashed. The Republicans for, for eight years now have been cutting the budget at Social Security. Social Security is running on 4% less than it was eight years ago. So the wait times for any kind of Social Security benefits have expanded to out, up to two years for Social Security disability. All these things are hurting us because the Republicans want to privatize Social Security and hand it over to the big banks and because they want to privatize Medicare wrong. and Medicaid and hand it over to the big insurance companies. And they're quite open about this, Paul. I'm not making this up. What did, what did Obama do for eight years? What does that have to do with your original in, in question, Paul? What, tell me, why would I agree with the Republicans that we should destroy Medicare, we should destroy Medicaid, we should destroy Social Security, we should raise taxes to the tune of thousands of dollars a year on people making less than $50,000 a year and cut taxes to the tune of millions of dollars a year on billionaires? Why should I agree with that? Well, well the reason you should agree with it is because... We finally got somebody in there that's doing something for the economy. That's why you should agree with it. How? What? What did, what did Trump do, or what did Obama do for eight years? He, he, he we were losing 700,000 jobs a week, as I recall, or maybe a month, when Obama, Obama came into do? office. He runs around And he turned that around to where we were, we gained over 100,000 jobs a month in every single quarter of every single year of the, of the, you know, the last seven and a half oh, years right. of the Obama yeah, administration. Right. He put our economy back together. The Obama stimulus the worked really well. for the United States. I'm sorry, I you're can't hear you when you're interrupting me. 
Um, here are other things that, uh, that Barack Obama did. Uh, the largest middle class tax cut in the history of the United States. He well, saved Chrysler. Couldn't you can pile it down a little bit, Sean. He saved Chrysler Corporation. He saved General Motors Corporation. Uh, he went from 800,000 jobs a month being lost to hundreds of thousands of jobs a month being created. He actually created jobs at a faster rate than Donald Trump is taking credit for right now, although Donald Trump shouldn't be taking credit for it because he inherited the economy that Obama gave him, which was working. Uh, he increased education spending. He cut the cost of student loans. Obama did. He strengthened the hate crime laws. He extended the Affordable Care Act. He expanded the Children's Health Insurance Program, which, by the way, the Republicans just killed. You're looking at 19 million children who won't have health care over the next six months as a result of this program, just so they can give more tax cuts to billionaires and multimillionaires. Uh, Barack Obama enforced, expanded the enforcement of child labor laws. Republicans are hate that and always have. They gonna, fought child labor laws in the 1920s. He reformed Wall Street. He got through the Dodd-Frank bill. He, he reformed the, the way that we interact with credit cards. He stopped predatory lending to soldiers. He stopped, he stopped an unpaid stop-loss time for soldiers. He increased Veterans Administration spending. He stopped torture. He, he did equal pay for women. It just goes on and on. Paul, thanks a lot for the call. Welcome back. Tom Harbaugh with you and uh, Terry in Alachua, Florida. Am I saying it right, Terry? Close. Alachua. Alachua. Okay. So what's up? Um, I think you just answered my question with the last caller. I was kind of confused about the tr trillion dollars taken out of Medicaid and the half trillion out of Medicare. That's with this current tax plan that they want to pass, right? That's correct. Okay, so it hasn't passed yet. That's correct. It has passed the House. It hasn't passed the Senate. And the Senate version and the House version are different, so they'd have to go to conference for reconciliation. And then it, I believe it would have to pass both bodies again. Depends on how they do it. They, they can do it in a way that doesn't require that, but we'll see. Right, because that is so scary for those of us that are, on, that are disabled and are dependent on those. Yes. So I just, just wanted to clarify that it hadn't gone through yet. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the case, Terry. And that's why it's important, particularly uh, you live in Florida. You, you know, contact your Republican senator, uh, you know, Marco Rubio. Who's your other senator from Florida? Um, Bill, Nelson, Bill Nelson. And we're hoping he's going to run again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got a Democrat down there. I, was, so, yeah, call, call everybody. I mean, you know, call yeah. both your senators and say, you know, no to this... Uh, this phony baloney tax scam that the Republicans are trying to promote and, uh, you know, uh, let them know. Terry, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Very, very well said. Paul in Woodville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up? Yeah, Tom. Uh, so like a previous caller was talking about this, this tax scam hurting the most many blue states. This, this, is, a, this goes, is antithetical to, to their, uh, the, the Republicans and their states' rights and federalism. When, okay, they on the one hand want to make, uh, you know, they wanted to block grant Medicaid, they want states to be on their own, yet at the same time, why the hell should they be taking taxes? If, you're gonna be, if states are going to be on their own, then when states are taking care of their own business by having taxes that take care of transportation, education, and health care, then what they're really saying is that we like big government because we want the federal government to come in and take more of your money, even though you're taking care of yourself. It goes a step I mean, beyond that. Poll, that's really the that's really the the philosophy that they're promoting. They're the big government. Yeah, they're they're, they're all about big government. You see what I'm saying? If they're gonna, I, I do, and I was I was out. I was Most reading. Blue states get less less than the dollar that they pay back that they give to Washington. They get about on average about seventy eight cents back right. from Washington D.C. Yet here they are having to pay more money, even though the blue states are taking care of themselves. I was reading a conservative blog yesterday, and somebody pointed out that if they can succeed in doing away with the SALT uh, exam exemption, state and local taxes, um, if they can succeed in doing away with that, the principal benefit to the Republicans is that it will prevent any states from instituting single-payer health care. That's right, because they won't be able to afford it. That's correct. I mean, here's because something else that's odd, and you, you start to think about this when the, uh, Fox News and so on starts putting out the numbers. Did you know that the, the 1%, there's a huge disparity even in the 1%. The 1% starts at a half a million dollars. No, it starts uh, at around, uh, around 400,000, but yeah. 400, okay, so we're talking about a heart surgeon maybe, a neurosurgeon. Yep. Makes about, and so I can find some sympathy for that. But yeah, they work long hours. They work very, very hard. 
But when you look at the numbers that say that the 1% earned 21% of the GDP, which means that I figured this out, about 1.5 million people made $4 trillion. Right. Which means that's not, that's not comprised of a bunch of $400,000 earners. That's comprised of a few people that are making a whole lot of money, right. like bazillions of dollars. So what we're really talking about is this tax, this tax scam is aimed at the one-tenth of one percent. That's about 150,000 people, the Betsy DeVosses of the world, the Koch brothers. Yep. That's who's going to get... Oh, I would, I would argue it's really... Targeted. So really, when you talk about an old-style oligarchy of a few rich people... That's what this really is. Yeah, and I would say it's not even the the uh, the one percent. It's it's uh, it's yeah, the worse than that. Yeah, and it's not even that. One percent comprises of people starts at about four or five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a good a good hard work as a surgeon. Uh, you know, uh, something like that, and they do work hard. But the people who are sitting on their butts collecting their collecting their money uh, through their their capital investments. They don't do anything except sit around and talk on the phone. Yep. Yep, I'm with you. Paul, thank you. Very, very well said. Stanley in Missoula, Montana. Hey, Stanley, what's on your mind? I'm going to take you off speaker. Thank you, Stanley. Uh, yes, I was uh, talking, uh, I just came in, mm -hmm. and I personally think that uh, our system should legalize marijuana, and the government should really look at that closely. Yeah, I agree. And that uh, all drugs, and uh, we need to have safe spaces where people who need to get their drugs tested in a safe environment yep. and shoot up if they need to. Yep. It's starting to happen across the country now on a local level. Yeah, it is, and, and, yeah. and it's a good thing. I, I agree with you, Stanley. Stanley, I want to get one more yeah. caller in before the end of the I show. Know. Thank I... you for the call. Very well said. Rick in Placentia, California. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I actually um, I actually work for H&R Block helping... Uh, expatriated U.S. citizens out of the country do their taxes. Hmm. Um, and uh, you know, what scares me about this whole tax plan is them taking away some of these big deductions like, oh, uh, mortgage interest. Moving um, expenses. Yeah, yeah all, all those kind of things. There's one other thing, though. that They talk about how people are going to have a bigger imprint or that he's going to double the standard deduction for a lot of people. I mean, you can just do the map on that and find out that that's just incorrect. Um if you double the standard deduction and take away people's exemptions, you are going to make them pay more in taxes because you're going to have more taxable income. Yeah, uh, uh, and, right? and, the, and the more kids they have, the more badly hurt they get. Yeah, um, spot on. Single mom who makes $30,000, um, so what? You're going to claim head of household, and they double that standard deduction from 9300 to 18600 But if you're taking away those 4000 or dollars Rick, i got to cut you off. I'm out of time, but oh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Thank yeah, you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, and don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. It's time to get out there, get active. Call your senators. Tag your it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 